Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Jennifer Roth. I don't know if you remember this, but about a month ago, there was a weekend that was sunny. (laughs) Do you remember that one? I remember it because our family uh, took the opportunity to go for a hike. We drove over to the coast to uh, Drift Creek Falls, and our family went with Rob Basham's family. We were having a great time as families together that day, and Rob brought his dog, Zachy. Here's Zachy, super cute dog, fun dog to have on the trail with you. And Zachy's a boy dog, and Zachy was doing what all boy dogs do. Um, Zachy was marking everything. He peed on every tree and every bush all the way down the trail. And when we got to the bottom, if you've ever been to Drift Creek Falls, there's a couple of places where you can get off the trail, and there's a little beach of rocks, and there's a pool, and you can wade, and this kind of thing. So our families had gotten off on this one spot, and we were, had taken off our shoes and socks, and were wading. And, and after some time at this place, some others came and joined us, some teenage boys, and it was a hot, nice weekend. They had come prepared. They dropped their clothes and jumped in the water, and it was just, it was still cold, but even though it was a nice day, and we were having a great time, but some Somehow, Zachy must have thought that that little beach was our territory because Zachy went over and, and marked a pile of clothes. Yes. Yes, Rob's dog peed on somebody's sweatshirt. So, you're welcome, Jess. So, if you're going to that men's event in a few weeks, just, just be aware if Zachy comes with Rob. It's kind of territorial. Watch your sweatshirts. The weekend ended up being a really great weekend. Uh, our family went on and, and stayed the night over at the coast and sitting on the hotel balcony, looking over the beach and the waves rolling in on a very rare warm evening in March with the sunset, I was just reminded of what the coast often reminds me of. As the waves just come and they come and they're so constant, I'm just often reminded of the consistent, constant power of God, our Creator and his power at work in our lives. And that's what we're talking about this weekend. We're in a series on Holy Spirit, and this morning we're specifically talking about how Holy Spirit empowers us for the life that God calls us to live. We find an introduction to who Holy Spirit is and what his role will be in our life from Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus is preparing his disciples that he's going to be leaving and he won't be coming back in his bodily form. But he's he's assuring them that he will be with them. And here's what he says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. How often do we or the world around us miss what God wants to give us because we're not looking for him? The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. You know me. Disciples, you know me. You have seen my nature. You know my character. You've seen what I do because you've walked with me for three years. And when I leave, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you in the nature of Holy Spirit, and I will live in you, and I will never leave you, and I will empower you. 
Holy Spirit is given to us at what we call conversion. That moment when we surrender our lives to Jesus, confess our sin, and commit to live with him as Lord of our life for the rest of our lives. The Bible says that something is born again, that we are born again. Something comes alive in us in that moment. And that is Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us. So Holy Spirit is given to us at conversion and empowers us for godly living, for building the kingdom, and for healing and wholeness. There's a saying out there in Christendom, and it goes something like this. God won't give me more than I can handle. God won't give us more than we can handle. Now, that does come from an idea that we find in Scripture. The idea is found in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but it's actually about temptation, Temptation is that pull or that desire to do something that is sinful, to do something that we know would go against the nature and character of God that would hurt us or hurt others. When we are tempted, it says, we are not tempted beyond what others have been tempted before us, and we're not tempted beyond what we can bear because God is faithful and he will provide the way out. There is a very big difference between temptation and the brokenness of our world, the challenges of daily life, the struggles that we face. Friends, I face stuff every day that I can't handle. If I could handle everything, I wouldn't have needed Jesus to come and pay the price for me on the cross. And so I think we need to recognize that it's when something difficult is happening in our life, it's not because God thinks we're so strong, but it's because he's given us his power to live into and redeem that thing that we are struggling with. We can live the life he's called us to live because of his power in us, not because we're strong enough to handle it. I face things every day that I can't handle. A.W. Tozer says it this way, the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. It is part and parcel of the total, daily, moment-by-moment plan of God for his people is that we will need the living God inside of us to enable us to do the things that we are called to do. Sometimes when we talk about Holy Spirit empowerment, we immediately jump to the, the big and the spectacular, the miracles and the signs and wonders and the healings and the, and the missionaries. They've got Holy Spirit empowerment. Or, you know, those professional Christians like pastors, they've got Holy Spirit empowerment. But friends, the Bible clearly teaches us that we all have the Spirit of God empowering us for day-to-day godly living and for building his kingdom, and for healing and wholeness. Today, we've got time to unpack two of those, the empowerment for godly living and for building the kingdom. And over the next few weeks, as we lead up to Pentecost, we're going to be unpacking more of that empowerment for physical, emotional, spiritual healing, and wholeness for ourselves, but also for those that we might reach out to from this place. One of the things I did in preparation for this weekend is I sent out an email and I asked some friends to send me their stories of moments when they noticed Holy Spirit empowering them in their life. And so as we go through this message, I'm actually going to use a lot of stories from other people rather than just from myself because I think it's really valuable to hear more voices and there's power in story as we recognize God at work in others and it helps us even see ourselves more clearly. So we know that 
uh, Holy Spirit empowers for godly living, for holy living, for living in a way that reflects the nature and character of Christ. When we look at Romans chapter 7, Paul is is talking about, it's a classic passage of scripture where he's saying, I do what I don't want to do, but I don't do what I want to do. And when I see what's right, I don't do that, but I do what's not right. And I, I love that passage because I completely identify with it. Number one, he rambles. He just kind of goes on and on about it. And I'm a verbal processor and I can just go in circles for quite some time. And the other one is there's lots of times when I feel like that. God, why am I still doing what I don't want to do? And we get to Romans 8 and it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for the wrestling. There's no condemnation for the failing. There's no condemnation for the struggle because, and we find in Romans 8, verse 2, this phrase right here. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There is a power in this world that is the power of sin. You and I were born as slaves to that sin. We did not have a choice to do anything different other than our natural inclination to sin. But the power of the life-giving Spirit of God, given to us when we surrender our life to Him, gives us the freedom to live the life, the godly life that God has created us to live. And it's only by that power coming up in us through the Holy Spirit that we are able to live that godly life. Paul's talking about a similar thing in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 5. He says, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. Pause right there. He doesn't say, we who live by the Spirit try really hard for our lives to look like this. We eagerly wait in faith for the righteousness that God through Holy Spirit wells up in us. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Friends, these are not the things that rise up naturally in me when I am struck with a difficult time. When, when someone is being mean to me, or heaven help them, to my kids, <laughs> this is not what rises up. Gentleness was not what rose up in me last month when the Silverton basketball team suffered a heartbreaking loss at the state tournament and this mama came unglued and had to repent later for all the things that she yelled from the stands. How is not gentleness? But see, this isn't a checklist. This is a metaphor that if I am a tree and my nourishment is the spirit of the living God rising up in me, then the fruit that will grow as a part of my life will reflect a loving nature and a joyful nature and patience and peace. This is not something that we work for. It's something that we surrender to. Some examples of people who have walked and sensed God's empowerment for this godly, daily, holy living. I love this first one. It was a, it's a friend of mine who kind of was a little apologetic. Jennifer, this isn't a big empowerment story, but it's what came to mind when you asked the question. And, and I love it because it's a great example of this day-to-day -day empowerment for godly living. She says, I was a very self-centered child and made life hard on my two older sisters. 
I remember a clear moment when I was eight years old that I had been especially unkind to them, and I felt the Spirit's prompting to me that I belonged to Christ and that I needed to ask for his power to change my attitude and actions. Kids who are here, you are never, ever too young to hear the voice of God, to sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit, to know that Holy Spirit is empowering you to live in a way that Jesus is asking you to live. I stopped and repented and asked for his help. More than 30 years later, I still have a lot of room to grow, but I can look back and see a very different trajectory after that of having a passion for Christ and his love and kindness beginning to flow through me. It is so obvious to me that this is the fruit of the Spirit and not my natural tendency. Can I just pause for a minute and give a word to those of you who, like this friend, like myself, you've been a Christ follower all your life. You asked Jesus into your heart when you were four, five, six years old. Sometimes you sit in a service when somebody shares a testimony of God that's this radical transformation of life as an adult and the, the amazing transformation that you can see in their lives. And, and you sit there and you think, I don't have much of a story. Can I say this? Never, ever, ever be ashamed of the testimony of the lifelong faithfulness of God. And never take for granted that the fruit of the Spirit that is evidence in your life is from Him and not something that you've just been pretty good at. You have given your surrender to God and Holy Spirit has had 30, 40, 50 plus years to empower you to live in a way that is a beautiful reflection of who God is. But it's still not about you. It's still always about Him. Here's another one. Where I am noticing Holy Spirit empowerment regularly is in my parenting. My son goes through streaks of waking up in the middle of the night and calling for me. Who loves being woken up several nights in a row at 2 a.m.? I'm certainly not that person. But it's my opportunity to demonstrate to my son that when he cries out, I will come and comfort him, and my heart is happy and fulfilled in doing so. I have extraordinary patience in those times. Patience that I certainly do not always have in the middle of the day. That can only be the Holy Spirit in me. Parenting requires so much Holy Spirit empowerment. Patience, wisdom, discernment. There's a couple here where about Holy Spirit empowerment in a confrontation. Holy Spirit empowered me to confront someone that was speaking very disrespectfully about a leader. I was able to speak clearly and boldly in a situation that would have naturally intimidated me. When you and I look at our lives and we wonder, where have we seen Holy Spirit empower us? One key is when we have done something that would have naturally been intimidating or uncomfortable or difficult for us to do, and we were able to do it with courage and confidence. Another one about confrontation. Up until the conversation, I was literally shaking with fear and trepidation. The moment I stepped into what I knew the Lord was asking me to do, there was a spirit of peace that descended upon me. It was as if time was moving in slow motion. I could think clearly. I was full of life, light, joy, and could see the person as God saw them. I could extend grace, knowledge, and wisdom that were not mine in the flesh to give. 
examples of how Holy Spirit empowers us for godly living. My friend in this last email summed it up with something that I thought was so powerful. I put it up here on the screen. She said, when we are in the Spirit, relying on Spirit for supernatural help, Spirit shows up and imparts supernatural ability that enables us to do the seemingly impossible that the Lord asked of us. And that seemingly impossible isn't isn't limited to just the big things, but the seemingly impossible could be the patience or the love or the gentleness, the courage in our day-to-day walk with God. We need him every day. Holy Spirit also empowers us for building his kingdom. His kingdom is the body of Christ, the church, which is his chosen vessel for spreading the gospel of Christ, the good news that we can be saved from our sin and transformed by Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches in several places that we are each given something called a spiritual gift, an ability that goes beyond what we could do in the natural that is given to us by Holy Spirit in order to help and to build the kingdom. We see an introduction to this in Ephesians 4. It says, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And friends, when the Word of God says each one of us, it doesn't mean some of us. It doesn't mean most of us. It doesn't mean all of them except for me. It means each one. So before we dive into the list of some of the things listed in scriptures as the spiritual gifts, I want to tell you a story of how I discovered one of my first spiritual gifts. It was about 25 years ago. I was sitting in the office of a spiritual mentor of mine, and I was sharing with her something I was so excited about. I'd been reading the Bible in my regular daily Bible reading time, and a passage of Scripture had kind of jumped off the page at me, and I I understood it, and I was excited about it, and it kind of fell off the page in a three-point outline of how you could actually, like, teach it to somebody else. And I said this to her, and she said, Jennifer, this is how I know you have the spiritual gift of teaching. And I said, what? Doesn't everybody read the Bible that way? And she laughed, and she said, no, Jennifer. Everybody doesn't read the Bible with it falling out to them in a three-point outline of how it could be taught. But see, I had no way of knowing that this thing that seemed to come natural to me wasn't the same way that everybody else had interaction with the Bible in their own head and in their own heart. And so this awareness is, sometimes we think, well, I don't really have a a big gift like other people do. And I would say, as we read through this list, listen with different ears this time. Listen with the idea of what's something that I just think is so natural to me, and I assume other people do that too. Because maybe that's the way that God has uniquely wired you to bring a strength to the body of Christ that the kingdom needs your contribution. So here's the list. This comes from Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Apostle, that that gift of a church planter, the visionary, the entrepreneur, prophet, the person who can clearly hear and understand God and his word and communicate that to others. Evangelist, that person who just has a burning passion for the, the good news of Jesus' salvation and a, and, and a fearlessness in sharing that and, and fruit when they do share it. People come to the Lord. Pastor, some translations say shepherd, that person who cares for the body of Christ in the church. The teacher, the person who can make this come alive and understandable. Wisdom that, that's beyond our human ability. Knowledge that's something we couldn't know without a supernatural awareness. Faith healing, miracles, discernment, 
that sense of just knowing what's evil and what's good. And you can't really explain it. You just, I know. <laughs> Tongues, that gift of being able to speak in an unknown language. Interpretation, the gift of interpreting what's been spoken in tongues. Serving, some, some people call this helps. It doesn't really matter what the job is. The person with this gift just loves to be helping other people. Encouraging, when people come into your presence, they leave better than when they came. Giving, leadership. From a young age, did people just want to do what you were doing? On the playground, did kids want to play the game that you were playing? Did you just do... ASB stuff because that was just the thing to do? Is it just something that's come natural all your life? Might, might you recognize that there's a gift of leadership on your life? Or mercy, those eyes that see people who are hurting and who are in need, and not only do you see and notice, but you know what to do to enter in and care for them. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says this about all the gifts. It says, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. God, who knew you before the foundation of the world, who knew your family and your job and your sphere of influence and how you would be personally and physically wired, has given you through his Holy Spirit some gift that helps to build his kingdom. And we lean into those gifts for the sake of his kingdom. Ephesians sums it up in chapter 4 about how these work together. It says their responsibility, their being the people who have a spiritual gift, being all of us, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When we unselfishly give to the body of Christ the gift that has been given to us, the whole body grows, the whole body becomes more healthy, and the whole body is full of love. Here's one example of how I've seen this play out in my own life. About 11 years ago, my daughter was born. At the time, my husband and I had a five-year-old son, a three-year-old son, and an infant girl who was born with significant medical needs. At about six weeks after Abigail was born, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. So come January of that year, we had a lot of stuff going on in our life, and I was in a Bible study, and I was sharing my prayer request with my Bible study. And sitting at the table with me was somebody with the gift of helps and service, somebody who just doesn't care what the job is but wants to help. And she said, ah, Jennifer, can I come and help you? And I, like any good independent American woman, said, oh, no, no, I'm fine. And a few weeks later, she said, Jennifer, I have Friday off. Can I come and help you? Oh, no, no, I'm fine. A few weeks later, she said, Jennifer, I have Friday off. I'll be at your house at 9. <laughs> and I had the good sense to say, okay. She's been coming to my house ever since. About six months in, she said, I hope you know that once you have me, you have me forever. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In those early days, she would come and just do whatever needed doing. I remember the day that she came and I was on the phone, and by the time I got off the phone, she had emptied my clean dishwasher, gotten all the dirty dishes from my sink into the dishwasher, gone around my house and collected all my dirty laundry and started the first load, came back up, said, what else do you need? She would hold the crying baby. She would entertain the young boys. She would run errands for me. She got a key to my house. She would come in and collect all my dirty laundry and take it to her house and bring it back the next day clean. She didn't love doing laundry, but she loved me. 
In the midst of all of this, I had volunteered at, to lead a ministry here at Salem Alliance to co-lead Hearts at Home, which is our uh, Bible study for moms with young kids. And as I was using my spiritual gifts of teaching and of leadership, our friend was using her spiritual gifts of helps in our house. And there was a part of me that felt like, come on, Jennifer, do your own laundry. Nobody deserves to have somebody come and do their laundry. But I began to catch a picture of when we humbly recognize our need and allow somebody else to serve us in that way, they are blessed and we are released. If she had not come into my life at that time, I would have had to quit that volunteer role. But because she was using her spiritual gift, I was able to continue to use my gift to build the kingdom. And because I was using my gift to build the kingdom, there were others who were able to use their gifts of shepherding and mentoring and leading young moms and because young moms were being led, they were being empowered in godly living to lean on the Holy Spirit power for the high and holy calling of being a mother. And because their families were blessed, their husbands were blessed. And because their families and husbands were blessed, their extended families and their communities were blessed. And the kingdom is being built because one woman came to my house and did my laundry. That is a picture of how it works when we allow Holy Spirit to empower us to build his kingdom. A couple more examples of Holy Spirit empowerment to build his kingdom in the lives of some of my friends. One writes this, I had a radical moment in time and space the day before my 23rd birthday. I had been saved as a kid, but that radical moment on April 11th, 1987 was for me the time when Holy Spirit came in me and on me to give me great passion for God's word. As I began to hunger after the word in my personal life, others began to notice that I had been gifted to teach it. I believe that event was a time of surrender in my life that yielded me for a different path in life, a different everything. Holy Spirit empowerment to the calling of being a teacher of God's word. I think for me, the biggest way I've seen Holy Spirit in my life is when he's empowered me to do things that I would never have chosen to do on my own or had the strength to do on my own. Go on mission trips. Invite a neighbor to Easter service. Pray for a friend to teach. It's not a specific story or a big thing, but an ongoing and continuing prompting to do things in his power and not my own. I wonder how many of you can identify with that. You know, it doesn't feel like it's always huge, but I do sense Holy Spirit continuing to prompt me to do things that I would not be able to do on my own. Another one. Over 20 years ago, my wife and I needed direction on a potential move to a new city and a new career trajectory for me. While she was away at a women's retreat, she took a walk with a friend, and as they talked and prayed, the friend spoke these words over her. My voice isn't getting any louder. You need to draw nearer. In the meantime, I took a walk while she was away with a spiritual advisor. And as we walked and talked and prayed, my friend spoke these words over me. My voice isn't getting any louder. You need to draw nearer. A word of wisdom given to two different people in two different locations in the same wording to speak to a husband and a wife who when we shared these words with each other, we knew God had spoken and that our focus from that point forward was less about our next assignment or location or cause. Rather, he was calling us to himself. Empowerment to build God's kingdom, not by specific direction necessarily, but by a calling and an invitation to draw nearer to God himself. And the end goal, 
the results of this Holy Spirit empowerment, whether it be for godly living or building his kingdom or healing and wholeness, the result is love. I was fascinated in studying these scriptures. When you look at the ones that talk about spiritual gifts, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, every single one of them, Paul teaches about spiritual gifts and then he moves directly into a teaching on love. On love. Because the gifts that are given to build the kingdom are not just for us, but they're for the world around us. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, so if I had the gift of tongues, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Holy Spirit empowerment for godly living isn't so that I can feel good about being holy. Holy Spirit empowerment for building his kingdom isn't so that we can have a nice, neat, little fun time inside the four walls of this church. Holy Spirit empowerment for healing and wholeness isn't just so that you and I can be healed and be whole, but so that the gospel of God goes out in his nature and character, which is love. John 13, 35 says it this way, such a short verse with such a huge truth. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, the things that makes us a reflection of God in such a way that the world can distinguish that we are different is when we love one another. Power without love becomes self-serving. Power without love becomes corruption. We see it all over the world. The corruption of power when there is no love. Power without love wounds. There are some of you in this room who are recovering from a woundedness from church. Church wounding because you were in a place where there was power without love. Power without love destroys. And yet, when we do this well, this is one of the most clear ways that the world can see that you and I have something different. In such a way that it makes the gospel desirable or attractive because we love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. We're just going to stop there. That's enough. <laughs> How are we doing at loving? How are we doing at allowing Holy Spirit to empower us to love those who vote differently than we do on political issues? To love those who are arrogantly antagonistic of our faith? To love those who have rebelled against us or wounded us or betrayed us? To love those who have antagonizing conversations around the Thanksgiving table? <laughs> to love those who are just irritating or annoying? How are we doing at being patient and kind and not proud or rude? Friends, this is stuff I can't handle. This is not what flows out of me when I am angry or hurt or offended. I need the power of the living God through his Holy Spirit 
to enable me to love the way that God calls us to love because it is easy to love those who are like us. It is easy to love those who are nice to us and who agree with us, but we will only stand out from our broken world when we can love the way Jesus loves, when we can love the way God loves, and we can let his Holy Spirit empowerment for godly living and for building his kingdom and for healing and wholeness to flow out of us in love rather than power that is only self-serving, serving ourselves or serving the church. But power given in love and as a servant of the one who is love heals and brings holiness and true transformation. So how do we do this? How do we live this transformative, Holy Spirit-empowered life? We know that we have Holy Spirit in us. We know that the power is on. We know that he wants to empower us. But how do we live into that? The first thing I would say is we need to, with humility, express our need to God. We've got to do better than I did at expressing our need (laughs) and be willing to say, God, I need you. Those children with their hands up to say, I can't do this on my own. I can't handle it. I need you, Holy Spirit, to empower me. And that takes a humble heart and expectation that he will move. A beautiful example of this came in one of the emails. A friend of mine was going through a time of deep personal questioning. She was here at church as a part of her volunteer ministry, and somebody made an offhanded comment to her that just struck a deep place in her. She says, This comment launched me into a world of insecurities about myself at church and myself as a mom. I cried the whole way home trying to process what was going on in my head and heart. My journal reflects an outpouring of insecurities. Am I cut out to lead a ministry? Am I getting in God's way? Am I neglecting my child? And then a prayer. The beauty of the humility that can lead us to a prayer. Holy Spirit, speak what is true. Give me a discerning spirit so what sticks is of you and let every bad idea, negative attitude, and harmful thought fall away. Humility and expectation that God knows what she needs. This prayer led to a revelation a few weeks later that my inner voice was very condemning of myself. I had believed a deeply rooted lie that I was a bad mom. That lie was at the base of all my interactions with my sweet and active three-year-old and was robbing me from the joy of parenting him. As the Holy Spirit nudged me, I began to feel a disconnect between my heart and my head. My head kept telling me that I wasn't cut out to be a mom, that I should definitely not have any more children. But a desire began to rise up in my heart for more. This can't be all that God has for me. And another prayer, God, give me your heart, your eyes, your voice to be my inner voice because I don't know what I truly want anymore because my own voice is so damaged. Speak truth to me. The humble prayer of a heart that expects that her God sees her and knows her and will come to her in power. One afternoon, sitting on my couch in silence and in Jesus' presence, it came over me like a flood. You are a good mom. I want you to enjoy being a mom. Motherhood is a gift from me. Those words washed over and I felt a renewing of my mind like I had never experienced before. The empowerment of Holy Spirit to break, expose, and destroy the lies of the enemy in our life. We humbly express our need expecting God to meet us and then we courageously live what is before us and obey the way that God is leading us. It takes courage to step into those places that we know are beyond us. And yet when we expect Holy Spirit to meet us, we can step out with that courage. 
friend of mine is a dad whose son was diagnosed with cancer several years ago. And in a recent interaction with God, he, he recognized that when his son had been diagnosed, he had really set his own pain aside and said, well, I'll help others. But, but his own pain was just too hard to, to sit with and to deal with. And in a moment with God in recent months, he sensed God inviting him and saying, I was there. I was ready to sit with you in that pain. Will you sit with me in your pain now? And the courage to be still in pain in the presence of God, to allow that pain to be healed, that takes courage to walk what is in front of us and to obey how God is leading us. And one more testimony that says, twice I have resigned from a job without knowing what was next. We felt confident that God led us to resign, but he didn't finish the sentence as to what was next. Those were months of anxiety-free living as Holy Spirit empowered us to trust God with our future. Friends, if we want to live the Holy Spirit-empowered life, there are times when we have to courageously obey, even when we can't see the outcome, believing that God will do in and for us what is needed. And finally, when we have humbly expressed our need and courageously followed what God is leading us to, we share the stories of how Holy Spirit has empowered us because there's power in our stories. And we hear someone else and go, God's worked in me that way. Or, wow, I didn't know that was God. Or, I need God to work in me that way. See, Revelation 19.10 says this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What I believe that means is when we share our stories of what Jesus has done in our lives, what Holy Spirit has done in our lives, we are releasing the spirit of do it again, Jesus. Empower again, Holy Spirit. Come again, we need you. And so that's part of the reason why I used all these stories to tell you today because I want to do, I want to release a do it again in this place today. A do it again, Jesus. Just a quick review. One of the reasons around here we love to pray for healing and you've probably noticed in recent months that when we receive a testimony of somebody who's been healed, we've been sharing those testimonies with you and inviting people to stand who need healing so that we can pray healing again because we're sharing the testimony of Jesus and releasing the do it again, Jesus. We believe in you. We believe it's your heart and we want to see your power in our midst again, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of loving others and your love for us and demonstrating that love to a world that desperately needs it. And so today we heard testimonies about a changed attitude and action. Parenting patience and the other empowerment that it takes for parenting. Courage to do what is right, even in times of confrontation. Having a recognition of a deep sense of calling on our life. Power to do the things we would never choose to do on our own. Having a need for clarity or direction and sensing God in that. Being freed from the lies of the enemy. The courage to be still in a place of pain. Faith in the face of uncertainty. These are the empowerments that we've just talked about today. So what I want to invite you to do as we wrap up is I want to invite you to stand. If you need some of that kind of empowerment in your life. The empowerment for godly living on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. The empowerment for building God's kingdom in ways that we could never do on our own. Would you stand if that's something you recognize a need for? Because I want to pray a prayer of empowerment over us today. A prayer of do it again, Jesus. We hear the testimony of his work. And I want to pray a prayer of do it again, Jesus. Loving Father, 
gracious Jesus, powerful and always with us Holy Spirit, we are your children who with outstretched hands simply say, Dad, we need you. We can't do what is before us without you. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power that you give us. And today, God, I just pray a do it again over this congregation. I pray for you to release empowerment of the Holy Spirit for parenting. I pray for you to release empowerment over the Holy Spirit over job changes and loss and the unknown. I pray for a release of empowerment of the Holy Spirit for a sense of calling and a clear awareness of what our giftedness is. A sense of empowerment for the simple changes of attitude and action that would cause us to reflect more clearly the holiness of Jesus. For courage, for faith, for freedom from the lies of the enemy, we pray, God. Release your power over us, your children, that we might in turn release it to others as well. We need you, we acknowledge our need for you, and we look with expectant hope at what Holy Spirit longs to give us in the days and weeks to come. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.